millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. In this episode, I'm joined by Angel Maxine, and we're going to be discussing what it's like to be a part of the LGBT community in Ghana. Hi, Angel. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you too? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, I've been really looking forward to having this conversation with you because we, we've spoken quite a bit, haven't we, about what's been going on in Ghana. But yeah. from over here in the UK, it still feels as if not a lot of people are talking about it and a lot of people still don't know exactly what's going on. But, you know, to start, what makes you a dope black woman? Actually, what makes me a, a dope black woman is um, black women, we are powerful. We are strong and we can stand the test of time. We can endure everything. And that's the beauty of a black woman. So that makes me a dope black woman. Yes. So for those who haven't heard of you before, you're a transgender model, actress, musician. You wear so many hats that I've seen when I've stalked your Facebook page. Um, so for you, how would you introduce yourself to people that don't know you? Okay, so my name is Angel Maxine, and I am a transgender. I live in Ghana, and I happen to be Ghana's first transgender musician. Um, I'm a chef. I'm um, a makeup artist. I'm a stylist. I, I am a, ph- a philanthropist. I'm a model. In fact, like I do a whole lot of everything, you know entertainment so that is basically about angel magazine and i just heard you mention there chef now i am such a big foodie i love food (laughs) i mean i've even tried to cook jollof a few times and the first time i actually think it was amazing the second time it was terrible and i haven't tried since then but for you what's your favorite thing to cook then I I I love cooking my African dishes. I love I can cook every not say every Ghanaian food, but at least most of the Ghanaian food I can cook them. So I'll mm-hmm. say um I love jollof. I, I cook jollof so well. I cook wache. You know wache? No, what's that like? And mm-hmm. wache is just rice and beans. So you parboiled you parboil the the beans. When it's like half and half, then you add the rice to it. But normally we have this kind of leaf we put in the in the in the in the beans, so it gives it that wine look, and that work, that's what makes it wache. So this wache um, has accompaniments. That is, we have shito. Have you heard of shito before? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Shito I reviewed it on our page. Yes, it's the black pepper. And it's really nice and spicy, isn't it? Yes, very spicy and nice. So we have shito. It goes with shito. It goes with um, gravy. That's tomato gravy stew. Then Mm -hmm. you can either add fish or meat to it. Um, We have gari. You know gari? 
No, I don't, I've never heard of that before. Gari is is made of cassava. You okay. you grind the cassava and you take all the starch, the juice out of it and dry it. Then you fry it in the pan. So it's we call it gari. You add a little gari, then you add spaghetti. Some people will love to eat it with some coleslaw salad. You know, yes, you know, I it's love a whole coleslaw. full meal. Yeah, it's a whole full meal on its own. And it's one special delicacy here in Ghana that people really love. Especially, people love to eat it in the mornings instead of that's a lot of food to eat in the morning. <laughs> oh, that's that's what we eat in the morning. Like you know, there's no way about You are going for construction. You are going yeah. to, to to you are going to stand on the sand the whole day. You can't drink tea and go and yeah, go and, and carry cement and all that so you know that's one food normally we used to eat in the mornings here aside our breakfast you know yeah and some people love to eat it late night too like when maybe they go out to the club and all that and they are so hungry this one food you can eat that can clear all your you know <laughs> alcohol from your face <laughs> so that's one you know yeah and we have jollof rice we have other things like so many varieties of food you can choose from that I cook. So that's what I yeah. do. Yes. So as I mentioned before, you know, there's a lot going on in Ghana right now outside of the pandemic. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of the recent closure of the LGBT community centre. So yeah. for people that aren't aware of what's been going on, can you just give us a quick summary of what's been happening there? Okay, so... um. The LGBTIQ opened um, a safe space here in Ghana. And um, the reason for opening this, the, the safe space was to help the vulnerable, like people like us in the society, where everybody could run to when they have problems, when there's issues, you have where to channel your problems to. And, um, and they had a, an opening of the place. They invited dignitaries to come and you know um, grace the occasion. And they posted it on their Instagram pages and all that. And the thing went viral. So people all over Ghana, pastors from the presidency all over bombarded us for trying to um, um, open an office, which so-called, they call it, they say it's illegal in Ghana. And their, their perception to us is that we are opening the, the safe space to recruit people in the LGBT to recruit more people in LGBT, to destroy the nation, to bring poverty, like a whole lot of, you know, things came up. So mm -hmm. the government, the, the, the president was forced to close the safe space. Now it has made um, LGBTs living in Ghana very vulnerable, especially we on the front line, you know. So that is basically what's happening right now here in Ghana. Yeah. Had you visited the community space yourself? No, when they opened it, I wasn't able to go there that day. I wasn't mm -hmm. able to go there that day, yes. But I saw it. We have a group that I saw it there. That day, I had um, a TV show I had to go for. So I couldn't mm -hmm. go that day, yes. But I saw it on their, um, I saw their live videos and all that before the whole issue came out. So yeah. what has the response been like since it's closed? Yeah, for we in the community, we are not happy, we are sad that the place mm -hmm. is closed, but other people are jubilating, they are happy, um, saying that um, the devil has been um, sacked from Ghana, you know, saying oh all gosh. kinds of things. They even went there for a night 
this visual saying that um, we've gone to plant um, voodoo there. So all the pastors and all the people went there to go and hold a nice vigil there to go and approach the so-called voodoo. They said the LGBTs planted there and in the neighborhood. They had to um, make a watch night service um, for it. Like a whole lot. Like they've just changed the whole narrative and made it look as if it's something so... Um, I don't even know the name to give to this thing. They just change everything and make it as if it's something so bad we're doing. Bad. It. Yeah. Yes. We wanted to recruit people in it and they keep saying that um, there are some sponsors and they're the ones giving money to people to recruit them and all like, you know, it's a whole lot. Like, it's a whole lot. People are happy and all that. But we, the community, we are sad. Now our life mm-hmm. is at risk. We have become, we have be, we've been put in danger. It's like um, we, we've been open. Now people really know that, yes, the LGBT community is really here in Ghana and they, 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 are, they, they, they are here to stay. And I don't think it's, a, it's illegal to open, open a safe space. But because, you know, the media and everybody talking about it in a, in, in, in a manner, you know, they make it look as if it's so dirty, it's so filthy, it's something so mm-hmm. weird, something bad. So people also believe it because that's what they hear. So that's what it is. So like over in the UK, we have this thing called Black Pride which is like an mm-hmm. annual event that's like a safe haven, I would say, for the LGBT community. Um, mm-hmm. But like for you guys, I imagine that that's what this community centre was meant to be like. So now yeah. that that's closed, what other opportunities are there for um, the LGBT community to go to for a safe space? Right now, we don't really have any space. We, um, we sometimes, somebody might organise a party and everybody will go there. And that's the only time LGBT would meet, meet and socialize and get to talk about stuff and be themselves and all that. But now you dare not try it because the police is everywhere, you know. And now, you know, because of the COVID-19, most of the mm-hmm. pubs, the shops, like, you know, where, um, clubs and all those things are closed. So now people are in their houses. There's nowhere to be. Really go. This was the only place we could really go and socialize and feel free and have our pride and do stuff. Then, mm. like, yeah, it's been close. So, listening to how you describe the community's response to the community center yeah. showed just how um, strong people's views are towards homosexuality in Ghana. So, do you yeah. think then, for a lot of people within those community groups, that they have to feel like they can't be themselves and navigating? And they can you know, they can be themselves, but you, you still have to hide. Let's say, you know, naturally, if you are born feminine, you are feminine. There's nothing you can do about it. You could pretend, but for how long can you? So now people have to hide, like, disguise themselves in so many ways to go out. They have to disguise themselves so many ways to, to show them their, their faces else in places. There are some places you cannot pass. There are some things you cannot do there are some things you cannot say because you're an lgbt so that's how the situation is right right now here because people are condemning it they feel it's an abomination they feel it's a taboo so when they see you 
identify yourself as an LGBT, it means you are cursed. So they feel like just eliminating you or just destroying or just doing something weird to you. That's it. But, but what is it, do you think, that makes them feel this way? Is it a culture thing? No, you know, one, because of um, our religious beliefs, you know, mm-hmm. because Christianity is dominant here in, in Ghana here, and they have the cultural beliefs, their values, and all that. And uh, they keep saying, we are not brought up this way. It's a foreign culture. People, we adopted it, and all that. You know, that is what it's, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah. So obviously I know from talking to you before that it wasn't until you were 32 that you decided to show the world who you are. And what I would describe as, you know, live your truth. Um, but seeing that you were still in Ghana at the time and you're still there now, what was the turning point for you? What was it that made you feel like, you know what, as much as this is going to cause a lot of backlash, this is something that I need to do? Okay, so, um, it's, you know, um, I had a passion for music and arts. It was something I loved to do when I was a child. So I grew up loving music, composing my own songs and all that. So when I got to a point, I, I, I started following some musicians. And I was, doing, I was writing my songs by myself. I recorded some couple of songs and I came out with the music. Then, um, you know, I had to go on stage to go and sing. And when I take the microphone and I say, hello, everybody is like, oh my goodness, like, this is not what we expect, and this is not the voice we expect, because they see a male. And, you know, I will come as a male looking feminine, looking sexy, and all that on stage. And some people loved it, some didn't like it. Sometimes I'll have to go for shows, they'll throw things at me, they'll throw bottle of water at me. You know, like, they used to treat me all manner of, all manner of ways, in all kind of bad ways. So, um, I, so I, I stopped doing the music for some time and I started going to school and putting myself together. Then I started learning, I, I started going online to research about what it is, like what is making me being like how I am right now. Do I have a problem? Is there anything wrong with me? Why will I behave like a female? Why is it that I have, I asked myself so many questions and I wasn't getting answers. So I started researching. Then I said, look, if music is my passion, if I want to talk to people through my music, if I want to continue being the voice of the voiceless, if I want to communicate through my music, then I have to come out as me, as who I am, for people to accept the new identity. Because I don't want to go on say because I wasn't getting shows, I wasn't getting people reaching out to me, I was just doing everything by myself. So... I started as a cross-dresser. So normally mm-hmm. in the night, I will, I will dress at night. Then I will go out to see if somebody might notice. So when I was doing that, small, small, small. So it comes to the point, my dad will, will come like, ah, who, which female friend of yours is staying with you that she only goes out at night and comes back during daytime? I said, <laughs> oh, it's one, it's one of my friends who... And she used to go and see her husband in the night. She has an accommodation problem, blah, blah. That's how I used to cover it up and all that. So mm-hmm. I couldn't hide it anymore. So I started doing the videos. I started doing comedy skits mm-hmm. as a cross-dresser. 
And I realized people were liking it. People would tell me, oh, we like the new you. We like the way you look. People didn't even know I used to be male before. They never knew. They were following because they loved what I was doing. So as I started getting the love of the people, then I said, look, this is the time for me to come out as who I am. This is the time for me to let people know that this is me. Transgenders, we exist and we are in Ghana and we live with you. So it's better I let them start knowing now so that they start accepting me today. So that mm -hmm. tomorrow it will be easy for the up and coming ones who also like to come out in the limelight or come out and be themselves as be who they are. So and do you think then mm -hmm. do you so you know you when you when you speak about this, I can almost hear in your voice how proud you are that, that you've been able to do this and break through. But I feel yeah. like I know even from what you just said a moment ago that it hadn't been that straightforward that you said you was on stage and people were throwing things at you and so forth yeah. and calling yeah. you names like yeah. what is it that motivates you to keep going when all of this is happening you know um i have developed this kind of character um i don't know but it's something that was in me i couldn't really show it out because i used to have a very low self-esteem um this kind of person who is able to absorb pain I'm able to absorb things. I am. Um, I've trained myself to the point that I don't let things get to me, and I don't let things break me down. So I think that is what made me um, break through. That was what made me break through because with all the criticisms, the insults, the hate, and all that, I know somebody couldn't have even stand it in a week, but. You know, I learned gradually. I learned. I am always online learning how to manage anger, how to manage cyberbullying, how to manage this and that. And I empower myself with all those things. So that is what made me break through. And that is what has made me stand on my feet till now. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, you spoke about um, your dad asking you who was your friend that was coming in and out of the house. And you gave him the story to... To cover up but obviously now yeah. he knows that that person was you right yes now he knows so how now did you knows. eventually tell him then how did you at what point was it that you decided i want to be open with my friends and family i didn't tell him anything i didn't tell him anything because i realized that when i want to bring such topics he didn't want to give me that yes so i didn't tell him anything i was just i just one i just went to him and i told him that look let me tell you something what you wanted to do with your life, that is what you did with. This is me, and this is my life. So this is what I've chosen to do. If you like it, you stay. If you don't like it, you leave it. I am not going to please you or any other person. I have been a slave for you guys for a very long time, and this is the time. I want to free myself from this bondage. So if you like it, you don't like it, it is your own problem. I don't care. This is me. You take it or you leave it. You know, and it became a whole issue and all that. So, and he started seeing my videos. Sometimes he will be there, you hear me doing my videos and talking about things that are happening and all that and blah, blah, and all that. And he traveled and um, I think his um, brother or one of his relatives sent him a video of me, you know, talking on radio and all that. And saying I am a woman. Then he called my, 
my mother, you know, my mother has been my ally, is my ally now because she, I sat her down and I gave her things to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I gave her things to read. I told her, look, read these things. I want you to understand certain things before I tell you what I want to say. So I, I was on her. She was reading. She was learning till the time she got to understand that. It wasn't that I intentionally behaved like that. Or it, it wasn't that I have intentionally, have intentionally um, you know, want to put myself out there. I want to take the risk. But this is me and I can't hide it anymore. So she gave me her support and she said, you know what, do what makes you happy because it hurts me when I see you being belittled by people just because of the way you are. You are forcing for people to love you. You're forcing for people to understand you, but they're taking advantage of that. So just be yourself and do you. I, I, you have my support. If anybody says anything, don't mind them. Call me or come and face them. So that is how I was able. So my mother was the one who stood in when my siblings bring my video and say, hey, have you seen what she is doing? Don't you have your own life? Live your own life and live her alone. What is it? You have chosen your profession. She says she wants to be on radio and TV and do her music and change herself. What is it? You know? So it's sometimes her relative will call and they'll say certain things. Then she'll, she'll, she'll say, hey, yes. It's my son. If you have any problem with it, yes, I'm supporting. Then, you know, then everything will go. And it came to a point that my family, my dad's side, they used to call my dad and say, have you seen your son? He's on TV saying all kind of things. Is it right? You are a big person in the society. Is it nice for you? Then all my dad would say, oh, you know, that's for this my child, dear. She's Michael Jackson, oh. So just leave to do his thing. Yeah, so this is how it has been. And and my so I would say my nuclear family, they know and they understand. Even though yeah. I know they won't agree with me hundred percent, but they've seen that this is who she has become and this is what it is. So when they even see me dressing and going out, it's normal to them. They see it as oh. Like, yeah, because one, I didn't cross, uh, become a transgender just because I wanted to come, become a transgender. I had a purpose. I had mm-hmm. a vision. I had mm-hmm. a plan. And that is what I'm executing now. Because mm-hmm. if I want to tell people about something, I believe that if they should see that thing on me. They should see me myself as that figure I want, I want them to emulate or want them to understand, you see. So that is the whole, you know, thing about it. And did you expect your family to have such an understanding response to your decision? I expected them because they've known me from childhood and they've known that this is how I've been. So this is not strange to them at all. Mm-hmm. Even though they see that I've gone to the stream of it, it's not too strange for them because I know that at a point they knew that something like this could happen. Yes, because when I was boyish, I could dress like a woman, I'll put some things on my breast, and I can put something on my stomach and be on pregnant. So, you know, I was showing the signs, the traits. Mm-hmm. You know, so they saw it, they saw it, they all saw it, but 
you know, they they realize that this is who she is, and that is it. So everybody left, you know, for me. Like they just everybody left like that. So they 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 are not surprised. And even if they they accept it or not, it's me. It's not about them. It's about me myself. So I don't care what they think. Yeah. Yes. And and I know that you you battled with your identity for a lot of years. Um, and and now you you know you have a real sense of purpose and a real sense of identity. And you really love the way you are, and and you're really happy. But, but what was it like before? Before you reached 32 and got that turning point of being um, being able to come out and be who you are, what was it like? At first, I had a very low self-esteem. When people gather, I couldn't go there. I couldn't open up to certain things. I was always at home being the woman of the house, cooking, cleaning for my cleaning, you know. My mother, my parents, they broke up. My dad had to marry another woman, so I had a stepmother who we grew up with. My stepmother also left, so it was my siblings, myself, and my dad. So I, had, I became the mother of the house, you know, taking care of everything at home. So my whole life centered on being at home. I couldn't go to certain places. I couldn't do certain things. I couldn't even associate so much with my peers. I was always looking for somebody to understand me, somebody to love. And through that process, a lot of people took advantage of me because I couldn't find the love I was looking for at home. I felt they didn't understand me. So anywhere I go and I feel a little love, then I, I get attached to that place. Then they come and take advantage of me. I will become maid servants in their house. It's not because they suck me from home, no. Just because I just wanted, you know, I just wanted somebody to just understand the way I'm feeling, just respect me and tell me good things that will make me happy. So that is how my life was. I, I, I couldn't do anything, I was shy. A shy person, I, it's like, you know, being clamped, clamped into a bag, like I've been sealed, you know. So before then, I was going through struggles. There were certain things I couldn't voice out. I was scared to say, you know, but now you dare not get in front of me because <laughs> I'm a high voltage princess, a high voltage queen right now. You know, now I know my rights. I know what to say. People are scared to even come in front of me and say things they used to say before to me. Things have changed. So before then, I'll put myself like I was a slave. That's what I would say. Before then, I was a slave. Would you say that life has become harder or easier since you started living in your dream? Um, right now, you know, I'm living my true self. Um... People have now known who I am. They know what it is. But the difficulty is getting people to support me. Sometimes I feel that, oh, if I used to be the way I was, I could have gotten people to come on board because maybe they, might, they would just take me like that. But now it's, quite, it's kind of difficult for you to get people to support you. One, even to get a job is difficult. I used to cook for people. Most of them don't want me to cook for them anymore because they've seen that this is who I am and all that. Like, it has made life tougher for me. But 
I'm trying to sail through. Do you feel like you've got a, a sense of responsibility or pressure being the first transgender Ghanaian? Yes. Oh, you're not the first. Are you the first transgender Ghanaian or the first transgender oh, Ghanaian musician? Musician, the first transgender Ghanaian musician. There are other people right. there, but you know, some are hiding. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I'm the first Ghanaian musician transgender. So do you feel this comes with a lot of pressure? Yeah. Come again. Do you feel like this comes this comes with a lot of pressure? Uh it comes with a lot of pressure and responsibilities. Because now I've become a figure for all. And a lot of people look up to me. People a lot of people come with their problems and sometimes it hurts me so much that I don't have the means to help them. But I know how it feels because I've been there before. So when they bring table their issues to me, I understand them. But I can't help them because I don't have the means to help them now. So I feel like I have, a, a, I have so much responsibilities which I can't, I can't fulfill, I can't offer. And that is what breaks my heart sometimes. Yeah. Yes. What type of dilemmas do you find like really common like from the people that come to you? Oh, some people will come to me and say, "Oh, uh, I want to be like you." Somebody will come and say, "I want uh, my parents have sucked me out of home because they found out about my identity. I don't have anywhere to live." Some people I can bring them and share my room with them, so I'm able to sort a place for them for them to live. You know, some people will come, I haven't eaten the whole day. Someone will say, I don't, I'm not having, um, it's difficult to get a job. I can't get a job. You know, everybody has problems and they just, everybody brings it to me. Somebody say, I want to leave the country. I want to go and seek asylum. Please help me. You know, a whole lot. Which I, I, I don't have the means to. So sometimes I have to find ways to calm them down, to counsel them. To talk mm. to them and make them feel that no matter what, they are loved. I love them and they can count on me at any time. If I have the support, I give them as I can. But when you're doing that then, I know it's rewarding for you. And I know it's important for you to be able to be that support system for others that I suppose you, you, you really wanted and needed growing up. But who's yeah. supporting you through that? Like, What's your outlet when you're taking on all this extra pressure nobody supports me i do it by my own self maybe somebody might call me to come do makeup for them i could get something somebody could call me to come and do some backups for them with some music you know um petty 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 things i could do anything for people and you know that is the most more things i'm surviving on right now and that is the same where i get the money and all that to also help people out there. The little I have, I share with people. Yeah. And I've yeah. seen some videos online of um, people being stopped in Ghana who are being questioned for their sexuality and they're actually being like stripped of their clothes and they're being beaten and prodded with sticks and weapons. And there's a lot of violence going on. And when I watched it for myself, I was mm. really shocked and saddened for what I was seeing. And I wanted to know, like, with your own experience, where you're so vocal about your identity and where a lot of people know that you're a transgender musician, model, and, and all your other amazing talents, does this make you feel at risk? 
it, it gives me as risk, but you know, um, I also try as much as possible to take care of myself. I, I know mm-hmm. the kind of places I go to, the people I associate, associate myself with, even the kind of things I say and even who I talk to. I am very cautious of every single thing because I don't want to land myself in that kind of situation. Because mm-hmm. It's very devastating and it's heartbreaking. I've been seeing videos and sometimes I ask myself, so what will I do if I find myself in this kind of situation? You know, but um, I, I don't pray that happens to me. That is why I'm still fighting and, you know, standing on my feet. You know? Yeah. Have you ever been in a position where you felt like your life was at risk? Yes, I have. I have. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yes. Um, uh, I've been in so many, so many, so many. One, I could say I, I took an Uber. I took an Uber and the driver was able to recognize me. And he just mentioned my name. Oh, so you are the angel magazine. Eh? So you are that gay person who have been sitting on the TV and radio talking nonsense on the, this thing. Then he wanted to pick a fight with me. Then he told me, oh, yes, I'm going to drive you to the police station and tell them you wanted to seduce me. I'm like, are you mad? Oh, my God. Yes, I've taken Ubers and when the driver, we are, we are going up, uh, all these things hurt, you know. I've taken Ubers and we are on the highway. The driver stops in the middle of the night on the street and pulls me out of the car because he has realized I am the trans person he sees on TV. Really? Yes. And if you complain to Uber, does anything happen? Nothing. Have I've you tried? Oh, I've tried. I've done everything. Nothing. Nothing. That is why I pray that in future, if God blesses me, I have my own small car to move around. I don't have to pick all these taxes and make myself vulnerable to all mm-hmm. these people. Yes. Wow. That's crazy. I was in the Uber coming home. from. I went to one TV station for an interview. And um, I was coming home. When I, 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 I was almost to my place and a friend, I went on WhatsApp and I saw, I had a recording of them saying that uh, we are looking for you, blah, 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 blah. Angel Magazine, you come and sit on the TV, you say you're trans, and then blah, blah, blah. It's legal, we have to arrest her. And I'm like, this is why they're mad. So I was coming home, I just got to my gate and I saw a group of guys there standing in front of my gate and saying that, yes, you they've mentioned your name on the radio, I'll come for you. That there's a, I don't know if they put a sum of money on it that whoever can find me or whatever, I don't even know. Then they came, but you know, I am this kind of person that I am very strong. So I, I came out of the taxi and I said, hey, what do you want? What do you want from my house? And they said, yes, you. I said, if you dare lay your filthy hand on me, eh, you regret this day. You know, sometimes you have to be tough. If you are not mm. tough and you show them your weak side, you know, they will, they will, they will, they will conquer you. So I mm. had to use my aggressive path to suck them out of my gate. So I, I said, go get out, get out, get out from my house. Get out of my gate. So I said, you know, we said, exchange words. And I said, give. So my brothers came out and they were like, who are these people? I said, look at them more. I'm just coming from this interview and they come to stand here, they hear my name on radio and they say, come and arrest me. Right? So they have to, everybody get out from this house and all that thing. And also, I just came inside my room 
and packed and filled things. When the place was calm, everything, I ordered for another Uber and I had to disguise myself. Mm. And I left home. And so this, I haven't come back, I haven't gone back home. I'm just hoping how- from one place to the other like that. Mm-hmm. Because now I feel that they know where I live. So anything can happen. Sometimes I can be lying down and I feel like somebody is standing by the window. They want to shoot me, you know. I go through a whole lot, but no. I've gone to places that they realize it's me. Everybody wants to rush on me and pounce on me. But, you know, because of the way I speak, I, the way I, I, I speak and I, I do it without fear, even though I'm afraid, but I have to stand like, hey, you, if you joke with me, I'll put my, I'll take my wig off. I'll put Maxine aside and come as Maxwell. So you face me, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're like, Ooh, this is not easy. You know, but some people will still be like, and I will have people who will come at the end of the day to rescue me from the scene. That is what has happened to me. That's what happens to me all the time when I, Mm. Yes, because when they realize, oh, this is the person, this is Angel Magazine, oh, this is, you know, then they have, we have people, there, soft-hearted people who will come and just rescue you from the situation. And how important is music to you and your journey of changing the current attitude to the LGBTQ plus community? I just love, I just love music. I feel that is the, I just love music. I just feel that's the only way I can express myself. That's the only way I can feel free and live my life to the fullest. That's the, I feel that's the only way people will understand. That's the only way I, people can communicate with me. That's the only way I can also communicate with people. That's the only way I can, um, I can, reach, I can reach out to people, my advocacy and all that. You know, the music is so important. It's so important to me. It's my passion and it's what I love to do. And how do you hope it's going to help you with giving a voice to the voiceless? Yeah, because when, when, you, when you mention NJ Magazine, the next thing is LGBT. Mm-hmm. Yes. And people will know that we are not useless. We are not animals. There's something in us. There's, if, we, if I can sing for the president to dance, it's a big achievement. If I can sing to touch people's hearts, if people can sing along my song, then I believe that the narrative will change and people will understand that, look, don't just look down on these people. Give them the chance to explore. They have capabilities. They have thick talents. They have things in them they could also bring out. Let's give them the chance and see what they can also do. You understand me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. I'm thinking because I remember reading earlier on this week that, that the president, is it President Nana Akufo Ado? Akufo Ado, yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw um, an article where he said that same sex that same-sex marriage is legal is illegal in Ghana. Yes. So, and it's not, it will never, that will never change for his lifetime as president. Yes. 
when you hear statements like that, how does it make you feel? I feels bad. I felt like, oh, why would this man say that? But I don't blame him because I feel this is just one man and he has pressures from all over. He can't please us. He has to please his people. So that's the only thing he can do. You know, that's the only thing he can say to calm the noise and the buhaha and all those things that's going on. That's how I feel. But I, 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 I feel bad in a way because I... I saw one speech, or he had an interview some time ago, and I heard him say, they asked him about LGBT, and he said, this is, this is not something that the, uh, the country is pressured on. We have so many things to deal with in Ghana, but the possibility of it happening in future, it's possible it will happen in future. So for him coming up to make a strong stance, it hits me. But I, I was expecting him to also say that nobody mm. should take the law into their hands to hurt anybody regardless. I wanted it to come from his mouth to say that, look, these people are also human beings and they are also Ghanaian. Nobody should take the law into their hands. If you don't know and you touch them or you abuse anybody, the law will deal with you. I expected that from him, which he didn't say. You know, that was what broke my heart because I felt that if you come and condemn it this way, then you should have to also find a way to also polish it for people not to, you know, for the hate to go down, the attacks to go down. But you saying it raw like that means you're giving people the go ahead to do anything they want to do. But mm -hmm. thank God Shraj also came out and also labeled so many things out that look, these people are Ghanaians and they are human beings. Yes, their sexual preferences are different, which you don't agree with them, but you have no right to touch anybody up or lay a finger or call people names. They pointed it out, but I don't know how many people has this information reached to. I feel that the media, whom um, they, they use the media as a tool to, to, to broadcast certain hate speech and spew mm. and hate among people and all that, they should use the same means to, 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 to broadcast the message out there, yeah. but not mm -hmm. to come and write a paper and circulating on social media. How many people are on WhatsApp? How many people are on Facebook? How many people are on mm -hmm. Instagram? Aside the youth. They should use the same means and talk about it on the radio all the time so that people can also feel free. Our lives will also, you know, we will also feel free and also live our lives. Then what kind of life is this? Hiding and always looking around to see if somebody's watching and what, what like what is that i cannot walk freely on the streets i have to always be in an uber hiding like why yeah why? it's interesting yes. you say that because um there was some research done by the human rights watch and they did an interview with lots of people in ghana and it showed that there were many 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 people who felt like they had to deny who they were and it really it really ties in with your experience of where you know, people have come to your house and you've had to get in a cab and hide your identity. Or, um, you know, previously, when you, before, you were, before you were 32 and you had to 
you know, lie to your dad about who was coming in and out of the house and say it was a friend when really it was yourself and it was even at yeah. night time, you know? Like, yeah. in your opinion then, like, what, what do you think the... Obviously, you can't talk for everyone. I know that. But what do you think the LGBT... What do you think the LGBT plus community in Ghana are asking for? What do they need from the community? The LGBT community right now is asking for protection and security and decriminalize um, the uh, decriminalize LGBT in Ghana, as we are saying. They've criminalized that same sex um, or natural canon knowledge, blah, 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 and all that. Now, the thing is, they are going on parliament. They want to enforce that law to criminalize um, LGBT. So is there, any, is there anything, and they might not, but I don't know, so I think it's still important to ask, what, what okay. can we do from here in the UK yeah. or from outside of Ghana to support you guys and, and to try and help change the experience of the community group? I think foreign pressures can help. Because mm-hmm. as, as, as much as um, they feel that Ghana is an independent country, they still depend on other foreign aids and all that. So I think the foreign pressures can change a lot of things. Internally here, we can't do anything because we don't have the means to. People don't can't even eat one square meal in a day here, LGBT. So we don't have the voice to reach out there, but people out there in the international level could come out and speak up. We need other presidents from other countries other dignitaries, other diplomats, you know, all these people coming out and say, condemning what they are doing to us in Ghana. If we had, mm. we have a lot of people condemning, bombarding them, all these things will change. Did you see the, um, the open letter that was published? Because I saw one and like Idris Elba and Naomi Campbell and, and quite a few high profile people had, was, Yes. had signed an open letter to ask for the president along with others to be able to create a pathway for protection and support. So are you asking for like more things like that? Yes, I'm asking for more things like that. Mm-hmm. More things like that. If people start coming up and talking and say, hey, stop this. They are him. You know, if people start coming out and all these our celebrities and all that coming up, everybody joining hands together, you know, all this, the, the narrative will change. It will change. It will change. And yes. for anyone that's listening now, what what do you think? What's the one thing you'd want them to take away from this interview? Come again. For anyone who's listening now, what's one yes. thing you'd want them to take away from this interview? Well, um, I just always I always say that um, you should be yourself, love yourself, regardless who you are. No matter the situation you find yourself, it is your body and you know how you feel with it. Accept yourself. Don't get intimidated. Be strong. Let us come together as one people. We are human beings. Forget the nationality. If you are a Ghanaian, you are a Nigerian from America, you are from UK, you are from this, you are that. We are all human beings. The same blood runs through all of us. So we should all come together and support this cause. Because right now, <laughs> some of us, if we had some people, if they had the means, they are, I'm sure they are, they would have even traveled outside this country and live their life freely. 
So I, I, I urge everybody to come together and support us and help the LGBT community in Ghana because we are very vulnerable and we are suffering here. Mm-hmm. Angel, thank you so much, so, so, so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me today. Um, I know that I've learned a lot from talking to you about the experience of what it's like living in Ghana within the community. And I hope that a lot of people listening are able to take things away from you, from this interview as well. Um, yes. I know you've got a GoFundMe page, which you didn't mention. Yes. But I just wanted yes. to give you the opportunity now to mention it. Okay, so I have a GoFundMe, GoFundMe account. And it's linked to my bio on Facebook and on um, Instagram and on Twitter. So anybody who wants to donate there you can donate there and help me the topic is um i want to help the less the, vulner, the vulnerable in the society and the trans people in ghana through um my music and you know other things i could help them shelter you know every, like you know just that's the main reason why i want to raise that funds you know as we were talking i was telling you that there are so many people who count on me for support and all that and that is the main reason why i want to you know i'm raising those that money so i could i could open and i can even open an ngo not necessarily saying that it's for lgbt or anything but for people who are born differently lgbt we are different albinos are different we have people who are also going through so many things so this is what I'm trying to do to raise money to help the less privileged in Ghana. So I want anybody hearing me, if you're touched, you can just go on my Facebook or my Instagram or Twitter and you can just click on the link and donate. So on my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram is Angel Magazine TV. So if you go on Facebook and you type Angel Magazine TV, you see it there. Instagram, you see it there. Twitter, you see even YouTube. It's all Angel Magazine TV. So until the next episode, make sure to stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black, blackity black, black classic.